Perfect. Uh, thank you for accepting this interview on our podcast. Really conversations so I have taken some time to really bring together this conversation. And I've been also following up on some of your work here. And it's quite impressive how you have, for lack of a better word, cut down the budgets. And I think the company is progressing. But I'll let you introduce yourself. Then in the introduction, Okay, great. So thank you, Mark, for coming, for inviting, for doing this. I think it's good to, I'm always eager to speak about e-commerce in the in the uh, in Uganda. Um, it's not the most popular topic, but we are going to make it popular, right? Um, so uh, yeah, Vinod Goyal, um, heading Jumia in Uganda, uh, both the businesses, the food and, and e-commerce. Um, before that, uh, I was heading the supply chain for Jumia. I was based in Nairobi and looking for supply chain for uh, for the group. And before that, I've been in uh, in different countries, in different parts of the world, in different industries, uh, with total 15, 16 years of experience. The good part of uh, that was I have lived in around seven countries in the last 10 years, and hence uh, got a very good uh, opportunity to work in the different cultures. And actually, in the last uh, four or five years, mainly focus was in um, Africa and Middle East. So happy to be in the in the heart of, of the continent. and. Uh, working on e-commerce uh, industry. All right. Now, interesting. When you speak of culture, it reminds me when an African internet group had just come in, so they just introduced Jumia, yeah, there was this whole sense of new culture, just working in a new working space that's not the usual customized lawyer setting or what. It's just there. Creatives just come together with skills, they source them out, and they work. So there was that much love. Uh, the company that was built solely on human resources, right? Mm. Bring people together regardless of, as long as they had a skill that they had into, yeah? That, that was like the, the environment. For you, what, what sense of culture are you setting up for, for Jumia? Well, Jumia's culture is, uh, is, is, is still a culture of hustling. We are still very young. Um, some people say you are already here for 11 years. For me, 11 years is, is still too very young. If you look at um, the other big companies, the telcos, the banks, they are here for years. Standard Chartered just celebrated their 111th yeah. anniversary. We are on our 11th anniversary. So we are still young. Uh, our culture is still hustling. We are still um, in, the, in the curve. We are still at the, just before the tipping point um, where uh, once we reach that tipping point, I think how we will be growing way faster where and the tipping point is basically when the uh, when all stakeholders, our our sellers and our customers, um, have understood the the real importance and the value of of e-commerce. Um, so until we reach that tipping point, we can't be comfortable at all, and hence we need to be really really hustler, uh, hardworking, smart working, tech oriented. So these are the the values uh, which Jumia brings. If when you when you speak of being tech oriented. How is the scaling? Um, I was reading something online yesterday. Most of the people employed here are almost young people, actually, most of the Gen Zs. How is that in terms of skill? Do you do you have the right skill? And also, if you have the right skill, do you feel like people have paid their work to really just build that skill so that they don't have to feel the need of being outsourced into companies that are out of the country? That is the thing you get for almost everyone that you know what with my skill the people that are highly skilled uh, mostly let's say developers get 
they don't want one for organizations that are here. So yeah. end up losing that screen. What's what's your opinion on that, Jim? Um, so I will answer it in two parts. The first part is the the core technology, the uh, the real development of our applications and the maintenance of those applications, they happen centrally. So they are not happening in each country. So we are not looking for uh, the core development and uh, and maintenance uh, uh, skills in each country. However, we have those uh, centers, our tech centers are in three, four countries, but it is not in Uganda yet. Uh, it can be for sure in future. But right now it is concentrated in two, three, two, three countries, and definitely all those countries are in Africa, mm-hmm. and hence we have the talent in Africa. So whenever we need it, for example, recently we opened a tech center in Egypt, and we needed uh, we needed the, the skill set, we found it easily. I won't say it is the most common uh, skill set available in, in our in our continent, but it's not hard to find, and we are getting good level of skills as well. Um, <clears throat> similarly, now we are going. We are. We have just opened the tech center in Nigeria as well, and also uh, getting good, great talent there. Uh, the second part of the the part is not really on the 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 development of the applications and the website, but it is more on how you use those applications. Right, even to use that, you need to be digital literate, and 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 your mindset is is towards digital. So everything we do here almost have. It's linked to an application or a cloud application or an API um, or um, or Power BI, you know. Mm-hmm. So everything is tech oriented. We don't really you won't see papers in the office, right? So even that is a is a cultural shift and a skill shift in 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 Uganda. Mm-hmm. So if we try to hire people from the conventional industries, there is sometimes a, 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 a cultural shock that how technically advanced we 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 are. And hence, I do not see that there is a skill gap. It is just the the adjustment to the concept that can be new to some people. But then I have seen people adapting it very, very fast, enjoying it, uh, because it brings you efficiency, brings you speed, uh, and brings you scope and scale, right? So uh, I, I see that it's it's working pretty well. Um, since also Jumia is uh, an online marketplace, and by default it has warehouse and whatnot, now, when you look at Amazon, they have cut down most of their human labor and mm. started to use AI and robots. Is this the future of Jumia as well? Um, look, we don't want to do automation just for the sake of it, right? Um, we want to do automation whenever it brings value, either to whichever stakeholders, right? It brings value to our sellers, to brings to our customers, to our employees. Um, and we have done those automations, right? So if you go to our warehouse, all the pick back ship process, when you receive an order, until the order is delivered, everything still happens on in an automated manner, okay? Um, so we are using the latest picking softwares, picking devices. We are not using the paper files to take the which items to be picked. So all that level of automation has happened because this is what we need. Now, do we have robots? In our warehouse, not yet, because it is not making uh, economic sense uh, to any of our matrix yet, right? Um, some of them we are exploring in 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 some of our countries and in even in Uganda, yeah. and some parts like for example we are looking at the sorting. So we have to sort around um, thousands of packages in the morning. Currently, we are doing it manually, 
with some tech help, but we are trying to do it fully automated, right? So we will do it only when it starts to make full economic and uh, and uh, and and um, and brings a value to the to one of the stakeholders, right? Right now we are not yet there, but in future, the moment it's 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 all a question of scale. So the moment we reach that kind of a scale, we will we will look forward for it because it adds value. Until then, we're not gonna do it. So it's it's really value driven, economics driven. Now, in terms of strategy and structure, um, when I look back to twenty fourteen, um, we have consistently had, uh, and again, you correct me if it's wrong. There's always a time in Premier where the downsizing. So this means that there's no there's no prime structure that has been adopted that is working. Um, it looks like yes, okay, try and error. And mm-hmm. it has been like this for quite a good period of time. Yeah. Then that affects um, for me who wants to be employed. It affects my my thinking in terms of job security or what what's your opinion on that? Um Look, I don't think that we have always been downsizing. Um, the thing is, most of the time, the focus of the media and the people outside is on the negative news. So whenever we are downsizing, it goes in the news. When we are hiring people, it doesn't go in the news, right? So that's uh, that's a little bit of a bias. If you look at, if I just want to talk about growth, last year, 2022, 2021 and 2022, yeah. we, uh, we increased um, our warehouse capacity uh, in Uganda, we doubled it. We were in a smaller warehouse next to Batal, two thousand meter square space. Now we are in six thousand, so it's three times of the of the fulfillment capacity, and that is only Uganda. If you look at overall group, because I was in the supply chain in the in the group uh, last year, um, in almost every country, we at least doubled our warehousing capacity, our fulfillment capacity, our order processing capacity. It means we have been growing. When you grow this capacity, you don't only hire a bigger warehouse. You need to have more pickers, more packers, more shippers, more transporters, more hubs, more pickup stations, more videos. So all this have been added. So let me tell you, six months back, we were operating with 22 pickup stations around the country. Today, we are more than 40. Each pickup station employs at least two to three people. Each pickup station requires at least 100 packages a day. So it means this growth is there. That's why the network is expanding. Now, yes, time to time, as I said, we are still in the hustling. I still love to be in that thing. If we try something and it doesn't work, there should be no shame going back and say, guys, okay, it didn't work. Let's go back. Let's try something else. And we are also in the new territories, right? Um, there are not many companies who are trying e-commerce uh, in, 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 in our continent. And hence, there is no written script. There is no good formula. So we are trying everything, and we are trying to bring the best. And I'm really proud of that. That Jumia tries to bring the best uh, value proposition, right, uh, to the uh, to to our consumers. We do not say no. This value proposition makes sense only in uh, in Seattle or in Bangalore or in India. It we bring the same stack. We bring the same value to our customers here. And hence, you need to adapt them to the reaction from the consumers, right? So proud of what we have been doing. You you try something, it fails, you go back. But also, I think there is a bit of a bias on the on the growth side, and we always end up looking at the, the negative side of the story. Okay. Now, when you when you, when you speak on it like that, so this is what I pick in the beginning, right? Uh, that, like you yourself, so... Um, 
I've worked under Tomas, you know, and this kid, I've worked under Justin. It, it, it always seemed like, and also, I also worked for Kidimon, the other, that was the only competition that ever came yeah. from Jumia. I was also directed from Jumia, then I went to Kilimon. Now, when you look at all that, it looks like it has always been strategy designed from elsewhere, then brought down to Uganda and thrown to and try and make work. Yeah. So it comes with uh, top heads being uh, multinationals, skilled as they should. But then in terms of that real culture and understanding, it's, it's a struggle, right? And, and I don't know how you are perusing through that, of how you really, what you've worked in, in different countries. So maybe it makes sense. But it has always been like that. What, there's a system working elsewhere and it's thrown down here to also make sure it works here. And that is, to me, always the fight. Um, look, I will not be able to go in the history of Jumia. I've been here for two years. And let me give you a snippet about it. So when I was joining Jumia, I was based in France. And I was, I had the options to, to, to go to, to do my central role. Huh? By the way, it was a central role. So I was looking at supply chain centrally. So I could be based in in uh, in Dubai or in France. I could have argued about it, right? However, the condition, at least two years back, is that you need to be in an operating country. You need to be in a country where we have operations, the real operations. Okay, so that has been the condition since for two since two years. At that time, we also had um, our headquarters in Jumia in Dubai, Dubai. Yeah. which you know about has been dismantled, and for solely the biggest reason was to bring the people on the ground. So the, the argument was that everybody should be in the operating country. So given that, at least in the last two years, which I can speak about, mm. our real focus is that every decision maker, every leader is attached to operations. And which is again, helping us is that every decision then which is done, of course the decision will be done centrally. Yeah. We can't do uh, something different in Uganda strategically while Ivory Coast is doing something else, right? So strategy is is made for all the 11 countries. If we do something big strategic decision, it happens for all the 11 countries. However, the inputs go from the countries. This is what I've been seeing in the, la in the last two years, which is great. Now, in the past, if it was different, I won't be able to come in. But I think this is, the setup pretty is good now. Even our group CF, CEO, uh, he was CEO of Ivory Coast. He stays in Ivory Coast. He's often seen in the warehouse, uh, in, in Ivory Coast, um, almost all our leaders, I don't even know who is not in the operations, myself, everybody. And hence, since we are attached to the ground realities and the operations, the decision-making is also connected to the, to the ground operations. Interesting. Now, in terms of decision-making, I have recently learned, I, when I was having this conversation, my current boss is also a former CEO of Union, so I work with him elsewhere. So in, in, in our talk, when I was telling him I was going to have this conversation with you, he told me the only one thing I want to really know is for the very first time, there's been downsizing everything, but there's never been downsizing top management, right? Where we have CMO or for you know, first person to do that. You want to highlight on that? Um, I won't be able to comment it right now because we are still finalizing the decision. However, as we said, everything is related to uh, to making this, this model work, right? So to make the economics work. Now, for that, if we have to take some bold decisions, that is why we are here, right? And that is why this decision is not taken by uh, by somebody who does not know the ground realities. And hence, um, 
Um, so I really appreciate, and it is not happening only in Uganda. Yeah, and so again, I wanted to relate to you to what Musk is doing with X, right? When he bought out Twitter, he, he poured almost all yeah. that money yeah. to bring them under the box. Right. So we're, we're looking at it from that perspective, because Devon was telling me, like, this is what is happening all over the world. Hmm. It's what's happening at X, maybe it's the new trend. But it, it has happened to where I work as well. Yeah. Uh, he had to switch up roles from yeah. all the yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't think we are, we are, uh, we are trying to follow something. It is purely that, and also in the last two three years, the uh, uh, the startups and the scale ups companies like Jumia have have really realized that we need to work on the economics part of it, right? So we are really working on that now. I what I really appreciate is that now we are taking bold decisions. If we have to take bold decisions to do something, we will not have a taboo around it. If we have to do it something, something we, we have to do it right. And again, the focus here. So I'm 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 quite uh, surprised, positively, negatively, that you already know what we are doing in terms of downsizing. <laughs> but nobody talks that how many people we hired in the last one and a half month. We probably have hired ten people, ten people. Yeah. Okay, and that too only in this office. How many people we have hired in our networks is way different, right? How much work we have done on different categories and for each category you need to have people to work on it right so that work is happening but then of course whenever we feel uh, uh, and see that the economics is not working out or the value is not coming out of certain structure or the position we are working on them as well and we will we are not scared of whether how high the position is how low the position is it's not about that it's purely about what makes sense and are we able to do it in a good speed or not now jimia is you'd you'd relate its success to to it being one of those tech startups that it's almost like a Silicon Valley startup. It has enough money, enough investors to experiment with everything, right? But then you don't see that for many businesses in the country. So what is Jumia doing to place themselves in a position where they can support other businesses? Because Jumia is like a place where businesses come to make business. Very good. I really appreciate this question. Um, so Jumia has always since because of the business model, because of the marketplace model, anybody who is in who is a seller of a product or a service can benefit the platform, right? At least in the last 10, 11 years, what has been done is that the platform has been solid. The brand is well known. When I entered Uganda and I asked randomly 100 people, do you know about Jumia? I think 98 people knew. It's a big thing, right? 98% people can, can connect with your brand. In this ecosystem, um, the sellers are taking advantage, right? I know some of the examples of the sellers who just started with a small brand, uh, started only purely with Jumia, built the sales, okay, without going to the offline network. And today they are a very well-known brand up till Arua and uh, in the north and uh, uh, Fort Portal in the west and, uh, and, and every, everywhere in the east just by using the, the leverage because Jumia delivers in the whole country. You don't have to bring offline distribution, which is painful. It needs a lot of relationship. It needs a lot of capital investment, which is not required. So the platform is there. Now, how much people are eager about to use that? It's 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 really to the sellers and we are going after them. We are also trying to make their uh, life easy on Jumia. We have recently updated our uh, portal for the vendors. Uh, we are working on our uh, payment systems. So there is also a huge focus in, in our strategy and it, 
I'm, I'm busy implementing that in Uganda, is to make the platform way more friendly for the vendors. I'm not saying it is painful, but yes, our focus has been huge on the customer side. We always have been saying customer is king, which is true. We still keep that statement, but we're also saying that sellers are also king, right? It is a marketplace. Supply demand has to match. So a lot of work has been done there. What is a little bit missing, uh, in my opinion, and I think it has to come up, is that we do not see a lot of brands using this approach of using you know uh, e-commerce as their testing platform or the or the scaling a platform a lot of uh, brands are still busy developing offline network and hence not everybody can do it it's expensive it is, takes time and i have not seen that cycle which has turned in many countries in southeast asia and india and in europe where the brands are coming specifically we call that d2c brand there's a whole d2c fashion or a wave in india uh, that every every person who is motivated about building a business is going into a D2C business and launching the business online. That is the wave I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting here. And we are trying to trigger it, initiate it. So we are working with media houses. We are working with uh, universities. Uh, I'm meeting Victoria University right after, McCary University right after within this week to tell them that people should have those kind of ambitions to create their own D2C brands and Jumia is there to help. Interesting. That's, that's really, really good. Now, in, in terms of ad spend, uh, how much how much revenue in retirement? Because Jumia is known for also making that in time. Jumia was known for. Yeah. Or is it still known for, according to your latest information? What do you think? Again, uh, the ad, adverts are produced. Yeah. Yes, uh, at least now we don't get this. Significantly, right? Yeah. yeah. Why is that? So um, it is part of the, again, the economic equation. Um, we think our brand is well-known. Um, uh, so in terms of awareness, the brand is well-known. Of course, we still have to do the recalling. Even if people know about Jumia as a brand, they need to be recalled about the brand, that the brand exists. And you can buy, if you're buying a TV, you can buy from Jumia, right? It's a reminder or we can call it a recalling of the brand. So that's the part we are working. In terms of building the brand, I think we have invested enough in the past that the brand is well-known, well-positioned. Well what we are also trying to do, because we have to make sense of this economic equation, right? So we don't want to spend too much on marketing, but there is there has to be a balance. Yeah. However, we are also working a lot on our experience, on our operations. Um, how do we make sure that our vendors love working with Jumia, right? And hence the supply side is sorted. How do we make sure that our customers are getting their products on time in a good situation, uh, you know, in a good speed at a good delivery fees, so that they they connect to Jumia without being shown those ads? So we are working on our ops uh, to um, uh, to help us reduce our ad spend. So this is the strategy we are taking. It is working very well. We have cut our spending, a marketing spend by seventy percent, while the impact it had on our uh, top line even our page views and our visits on the websites are in the ratio of 10-12% and is, even this gap is closing continuously. Mm. So this month versus last year, if you look at year on year, August is actually growing both in the top line funnel of page views and, and visits and in the orders while our marketing spend is uh, is one third of what we used to do before. So uh, there's, there's, there's something I feel like you have Ignored, all, all, all e-commerce has ignored this podcast in the US, right? 
podcasts make businesses a lot of money. When you look at the job of the podcasts, yeah. and it's 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 not done the normal advertising, right? They don't throw ads at you. Your organization is just going to endorse a product because I have an audience, say for me, right? I have been doing this podcast thing. I've been doing it with uh, my co-partner. I've been doing it for three years. He has most conversations of his are about tech. Mine are mostly about marketing because I'm into the marketing field. Now, these, these people that are attached to this podcast, they listen to it and it, it goes beyond. So when I endorse a product, maybe they will, but I don't have to endorse a product because I'm being paid to do it. Once I like something, I'll talk about it on the podcast. Or if, if you come and talk about Jumia, I have my passion with Jumia. I think Jumia showed me the light. So I, I give all that thanks to him. That's why I suggest for this interview. But a lot of businesses do not want to invest in this section until mm. they see it work, like in the US, for right? mm. Yeah. Okay. What, yeah. What's your opinion on adopting I think, um, I probably, I don't know if ignored word is the best word. Maybe we have not pushed it enough. I accept it. Maybe have we considered podcast as our mainstream media strategy? You're right. Maybe we have not uh, explored it enough. And in fact, we should be pushing it more. So yes, I think it's a, it's a good way looking forward. I think we should go more and more. I have a huge faith in, in the podcast system. I also appreciate that it is not a push strategy towards the consumer. It is more to bring more information to the customers, more educative way and answering their questions, being connected with them. So I think podcast is a very, very good platform. And today onwards, we can make it our mainstream strategy. That, uh, great yeah. Totally. Um, yeah, that's I've been I've been knowing to very many people yeah. around here about it, uh, but the vision is not something they want to buy into. But now that I have been doing this, definitely, I think we'll be we'll be connecting very very often. However, yeah. how is the podcast? Because when you give the examples of US, the podcast has also scaled up. The the, the subscribers, the listeners, uh, the percentages are way higher than I think here. But I don't know. Yeah, you it, want to it is again way higher. Look at how we. Look at how Jimmy has started, and they've done an incredible job just since it's advertising people to start buying online to really, really use the phone as a business, right? So that's that's how you have to look at it. So podcast is also in the initial phases, perfect. It needs people to trust it enough so that right. now they're partnering with big people like Jimmy and they didn't since a boom, but there's, there's quite a number of them that are solid, consistent, with good numbers. I feel like they're there. Kenya is doing it because people outside are yeah. adopting. Okay, it. good. So two hustlers on the exactly on the on the same topic. Why not? Let's. How go. long do you think you're going to hustle, Germany? Um, I, as I said, we are uh, we are waiting. I I won't say we are waiting for the tipping point. You know, and it's my personal theory that there is a tipping point. Once we reach that, and that tipping point will be reached when both consumers, whenever they are shopping. E-commerce is. I'm not saying only Jumia. E-commerce is one of the first option they look at. Okay. Similarly, for the sellers, whenever the sellers want to grow their business, okay, in terms of geography, in terms of brand launching, in terms of new brands coming in, um, when they look e-commerce as their first option or the first or the second option, we have reached a tipping point. It means then the growth would be in double digits, okay, consistently month over month because there is a pull effect, right? Um, we have reached that, but for a very small share of consumers and very small share of, of sellers. We still have to do a lot of push work. Uh, and until we reach that, we need to do us, right? Now, I don't necessarily feel that we should ever stop hustling. Even when you reach the tipping point, 
you would have another challenge, right? You will not be happy growing 22%. Yeah. So, ah, why 22%? Why cannot I grow by uh, 100%, yeah. right? So we might again switch ourselves into hustling mode and do something more. Uh, so I don't really see it as a, as a milestone. Oh. We are a hustler. I'm proud of it. Um, and we'll continue doing that. We might take that small break once you reach the milestone, you celebrate about it, and you change what you're listening for. What was the up point of COVID to the growth of e-commerce? Yeah. Well, I think COVID, um, you know, for all the uh, e-commerce companies, it was the the best chief growth officer, right? Do you feel like that was the time you're supposed to hit that tip? Um, no, not, not you, because I don't yeah. think you were here then. But the we hit that tip, yeah, oh, correct. Okay. No, but I, I was I was in France that time, and we saw immediately, automatically, um, e-commerce grew, you know, multifolds, and uh, but that was out of choice. There's a difference, right? That time, sellers and customers were out of choice. I'm talking about when the customers, even they have the choice to go outside, go to the Kampala Road and buy a phone, versus go and buy it on Jumia. If they they reach a stage where they think, even if there is no issue in going to Kampala Road, shall I still consider Jumia? That is a natural tipping point. It is not a forced upon one. So I think we we I'm looking forward for that one. Now, in terms of uh, mantra and strategy, what sort of community are you trying to build? That if I get out of Jumia, this is how I want to be defined as, you know what, these are my values. What sort of value department are you trying to, to work around in a team? I think, uh, as I said in the beginning, it's uh, it's really the hustling culture, hard and smart both. We can't just say that we are smart workers and we are in the phase where we have to put hard work, uh, dedication, um, and then, then love for technology. I think love for technology. Uh, these are the four things which are definitely there. One more thing I'm trying to really push is kind of unshackle ourselves in terms of creativity and taking bold steps. I think somehow I felt um, that we are not taking enough risks and it's not only about one department. Um, marketing, for example, I have a huge respect for the marketing team in Junior, right? They are super skilled. They know what they're doing. But I still feel uh, that we are a little bit not crazy enough. I want that craziness to come out. Crazy. Why not? Right? Yeah. We said, okay, what if the deliveries, how delivery would happen in 70s? And it was uh, such a small gesture, it became viral. And we are not doing those enough. I do not see Jumia videos going viral because we are we are too cautious of on our content. That the content should be this, we should not be saying that might be too inappropriate, etc. right? So I'm trying to change that and bring our creativity out and be bold, no no shame. And sometimes our campaigns will go wrong. Sometimes somebody, some regulatory bodies might come, hey, you are not allowed to do this. Okay, we'll learn our lesson. But I think we need to be open up a little bit more yeah. and show the world that we are the most creative, the most digital civil country in the company. I want to work on with you. So besides us, this podcast, right? From a studio, I own a studio, so we're investing heavily in just one of the Asia. Right. So, yeah, it's we feel like it's a niche content for the new world. That's great. Yeah. We we need for it. Yeah, when I talked, like uh, one of my questions to the team was why we are not the video factory of the Ugandan digital world? We should be creating videos every week, we should be using part of the AI 
to finish those videos. Um, you know, and then the 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 remind the the remaining part can be shot in the in the in the studios, and we are not yet there. So I think there is a huge, uh, huge work to be done on that aspect, and you will you will see a lot of surprises in the coming weeks and months. We'll yeah. be doing crazy stuff, exactly, and and bringing people connect to the brand, and uh, yeah, we'll be doing more fun. Do you feel like uh, have you broken Indian? Uh, we have. I think this is a. Um, it's a financial information. The best way is to. We, we just actually announced our results last week, uh, uh, yesterday, for uh, for Q two. Best way go to jumia.com, go to the investor relation for Q one. All the information Q two was published yesterday, so you will see all the information is there. Uh, we have made huge huge progress with a food. Uh, with food. Yes. Okay. I won't be commenting on on Jumia Uganda because I think you mm -hmm. might you might have some numbers about it. Some of the countries in Jumia have crossed that uh, that milestone. Some are almost there. And what is good is that in the last not even one year, eight nine months, the progress we have seen it's just incredible. It's just incredible that how much we have progressed in the last eight months and how close we are now. So we have reduced, you saw the results yesterday, we have reduced our losses by 67% versus last year. Like two-third of the of the losses are out of the window already. And we have not yet fully implemented all the plans we had for this year. So I think we are getting getting there. Super confident about that we would be there. It's now a matter of months and quarters, depending on which country, and, and then the overall, overall company. So we are... Just at the doorstep. So doorstop. exactly how do you define your growth in your, your case? That there are two ways here, right? Uh, there's defining growth with shooting up high numbers in terms of like order spend and whatnot. But then there's also defining growth by um, by cutting costs, right? Operational costs. So for you in your case, how, how do you want to define No, that? I think the growth is really top line. Okay. Growth is really, you can have four or five matrices. Do you have more consumers? Uh, the daily active or the monthly active consumers? Do you have more orders? Do you have more revenue? These are the three matrices. You can choose one of them to define growth and all of them are super connected. If you have more consumers placing more orders and it's more revenue, right? So that part is where it's we consider as growth and um, you, you might have seen, you will see in the results that this is a part where we are catching up but after doing so much on the, on the savings part, right? But if you look at the bottom line, which is the profitability, this is where we have really, really done a huge job without impacting our top line much. That's the, that's the point we are trying to say is that you have closed the gap here by 67%. Did you drop here by 67%? No, maybe a few percentages, right? And that's the beauty of it. And uh, if we continue on this journey, but of course now our focus is also on the top line. So uh, I'm very, very confident for Q3 that we will have a much better news on the top line as well, while our bottom line news is continuing in the, in the excellent manner. What's your future projection for, for the company? It's also well, future projection is that we will be growing and we'll be profitable. I do not have any doubt about it. Now, can I give you a timeline of one particular date? Of course not. I'm 100%, I'm super, super confident that this is going to happen. Yeah. And uh, it is happening while creating the value for both our vendors and our customers, both our sellers and our customers. It's not that we are stopping the incentives for our vendors to make our PNL better. It's actually the contrary, that we are doing the ease of business. Uh, we are 
challenging our our fees which we charge to our vendors similarly we are challenging our shipping fees our delivering fees to our customer we are reducing all of that so i give you an example if you had ordered a package in Arua, which is the farthest point for me in, in the country, yeah. if you have ordered a 32-inch TV, you would have been probably paying uh, 12,000 to 13,000 shillings for a small TV. Now you would pay 5,900 shillings. It's already half. We were delivering in eight to nine days in Arua. Today we are delivering in five to six days in Arua. Already half. Right? So we are doing... And, and that's the beauty, that while you add more value to the customer and the vendors, it, it has a ripple effect. The vendors love us, the customers love us, and we grow without spending money on advertisements, you see? So the whole strategy, I kind of try to summarize you that how this equation is working without penalizing. In fact, we are trying to make everybody happy, and hence, we are getting the best output. That's, that's really encouraging. I'm so glad that I've had this conversation. Now, um, in terms of legacy, when you look at other companies and to me right now i look at him as one of those big companies in the country right so in terms of legacy if i have worked here for say 10 years and i walk away what's in for me minus just the fact that i've been getting a salary what's in for you yeah. you will be people will be queuing for you and you'll be doing something which probably 80 percent of the people will not dare and uh, you would have a huge chance of being successful in what we will try. So three things, you will be in demand, you'll be doing something great and you'll be successful. So you feel like working here elevates my CV? Uh, it completely changes your CV. It does not elevate, it completely changes your CV, yourself, then your network, uh, your, your outlook towards the economy, towards the country, towards people, it will, it will completely change. Do you feel like you should introduce a pension scheme? Kind of. Um, I think Uganda has a very good pension scheme with the government, and um, it's probably one of the very good ones. I I'm not a master of those in in our country in in Africa, but it's probably one of the good ones. The the percentage is pretty good, and Jumia supports that. We 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 as an employer puts our our part in that. I think if people really stick to that and follow that, it is not, I think it's 15% of your basic, right? It is good enough. I don't think you really need to go for a... I see, I actually one. not looked at it from a bigger aspect of that. Yeah. yeah, if there are two contributions of that percentages, it's a significant amount. And I really appreciate that this kind of scheme exists and it's uh, it's can be used in your, in your later now, years. Also being the only African business that is listed on the New York Stock Exchange. Do you feel like other businesses are not working as hard enough? Wow. You want me to really comment on the other businesses and how work out? Because you're in that same space. Yeah. Yeah. If if we get more business investing, right? It's a windfall for stocks. So in yeah. What's no, I would we would I would really be happy to see more and more businesses going there. And hence I have my some small share of my work and engagement goes towards that. I am connected with the uh, uh, with Innovation Village. Uh, I would be going there on Friday to do a soiree with the with the founders. Um, so, I would be delighted. Now, can we say they are not really working hard? I I I don't think so. What was the formula from your perspective of Jumia getting to that? I think the I think the the uh, the market is not easy to crack, right? 
we also need to be mindful of the fact that we as economies where we are in our tech curve okay and why for example even jumia after 11 year is still knocking looking for the profitability and growth while e-commerce should be growing all automatically into double digits it's that uh, the we are still behind in the in the in the technological advancement in 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 that curve right so that curve has to work i think there has to be uh, there has to be a lot of support given to those guys from the government um because we are looking waiting only for the vcs to fund them but they you know how the vcs work and how much pressure you would have to go to make your business work and hence taking shortcuts but uh, the government should be supporting uh, in terms of making those things easier for the founders. I think there are a lot of schemes in many other countries. There might be some here as well, but I think they're definitely not enough. Um, our internet cost is high. If you're talking about startups working on yeah. internet businesses, our internet cost is high. Our uh, payments, our transaction cost is very high. And I'm very openly able to speak about it, is yeah. that why uh, why um, uh, is adapted in a, almost i don't know what's the penetration is about 98 percent in in kenya while here is uh, it's uh, it's less than 50 percent and people are with momo pay and people are still looking for uh, withdrawal charges it's a sign when people are looking for withdrawal charges it means people still work with cash right when you do the same transactions in your neighbor nobody talks about withdrawal charges because nobody needs to take out the hard cash whatever i'm doing i will still do the transaction with my mobile money right and why we are doing it? Because the transaction cost is very high. But you know, I was in Chicago just two weeks, I think. It's, 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 it's interesting how the money thing has penetrated. Mm. Even when I talk about a guy, you just feel. Yeah. Do you have hopes of introducing Jumia Pay here? Seeing it's successful in Nigeria. So we, we have Jumia Pay here, but we are using Jumia Pay only for as a gateway for Jumia transactions right now. In some countries, Jumia Pay is being used for non Jumia third party businesses yes. as well. Uganda, not yet. Uh, in future, maybe. Uh, but for the moment, Jumia Pay is doing that. But I think there are some other solutions, which it is, it is, it is again, maybe goes to the regulations that can we challenge the biggest telecoms to, to challenge their, uh, their transaction fees on mobile money? Is it in the hands of the telcos or is it in the hand of the, of the regulation? We need to, I think, as I always said in my conversation, to make any business work, you do three things, right? You exchange information for which you can build great websites and applications, which is good when we are doing it. You exchange physical goods or physical services, right? This, I think, works well. Our infrastructure, okay, the roads in Kampala are not the best, but otherwise infrastructure is okay and we have the logistics services. The third thing, you need to exchange money. These are the three things you need to do for any transaction, right? So my money part is expensive. My information part is expensive because data is expensive. So when three out of the two are expensive, the challenge, right? So I won't really penalize the um, the founders. Actually, they are doing a great job. They are deep diving and you know uh, sacrificing uh, their golden hours where they can just have fun working in smaller companies. They are trying to build something, but they need support, I think, both from the regulations and companies like us. And hence, I try to dedicate part of my work to to see whatever information, whatever help we can give to the to the founders. Okay. What do you think about remote work? Um, I'm seeing you have a lot of people work coming to office to work, and we 
people had switched out to most yeah. of the people is the X one. Yeah. Why do they have to come into office? I think we we switched to the office first policy. Um, now remember one of the statement you you said that uh, your most of your staff is Gen Z. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So connect with that. It is true, right? To work with Gen Zs, uh, we need that dynamics in the office. Plus, a lot of them are doing their first job. They are new in their career, and they need to see what is happening physically, right? They need to sit with the people, give each other hands, right? So I think for all this, I really like, think that- Something like more sharing value. Right? Yeah, sharing value, creating that atmosphere in the office, be able to help out each other, uh, we are working on a very lean model. So if one person is out, somebody should be there to help each other. You will also understand what what is somebody else doing only if you are physically. I'm really, I'm not against remote work. I think the situation we are in right now, it is way more value addition to my teams that they come together, they learn from each other, uh, and uh, and bring that dynamics to the to the to the uh, to the company. Go to warehouse. I encourage everybody here, go to warehouse, do picking yourself, right? Go to a, a hub and do a order delivery. You can't do all these things if you are just disconnected and under remote work. So I really encourage, I really believe in working together. You learn more, become a better leader. You know what are your colleagues are doing. You're not limited to your scope of work. And hence it is it's good for the overall company and the development of the business. Great, thank you. Um, as I conclude, I'll just ask you, what is your personal mantra? I from general. How have you managed to rise up to become CEO of General Women? Um, basics, um, smart work, hard work. I believe in both what of you them. Mean by smart work, hard work. So smart work is how how you manage your productivity. So I try to focus that I need to spend my energies on these tasks because they they matter more than the other ones. So because you will not be able to do yeah. uh, everything right and. No matter how well you do it, you need to look back one month. And so every month I check, is my is my wardrobe clean? You know, like it's like a wardrobe. We all wear 20% of the clothes, 80% of the time. The 80% of the clothes we wear only occasionally. So I'm trying to clean up that part in my task list. So one, focus on the productivity. Um, I believe in taking quicker decisions. If I have to take bold decisions, I never be shy of it. I think that helps me a lot. I try to not being worried about too much of the hierarchy. I like to be open with my my supervisors, my leaders, my bosses. And sometimes you get penalized for it, but that means you are with the wrong boss. But most of the time you are being appreciated about your boldness and uh, you know uh, bringing value to the company no matter what you have to do. And hardworking is really being dedicated. When I'm at work, I'm at work and not to be distracted by so many distractions these days we have. And then I think one more thing is, is the exercise, the health part. I really believe in it. I, I religiously follow uh, at least four days a week uh, routine in yeah, my, my workout. Yeah. So I do whatever sports I have to do. Um, if no sports, I, I work out in my balcony or garden, whatever you have. So I make sure that I do that reset. Uh, before I come full-fledged with full energy to work. Thank you. Uh, unless you have any questions, what's the question? No, I think a uh, pleasure talking to you. I think you you throwed some very, uh, very, very good questions. Um, I take the feedback on the podcast. I think companies like us should be looking forward for the for the things which have not become the mainstream yet. 
So definitely we'll be connecting more and more on the podcast. Yeah. And, um, and uh, thank you for passing all these messages to our viewers, to the listeners. And we'll be glad to do more and more. All right. Thank you. Right. Uh, yeah, we now have.